Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, October 28, 2020. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. When the Assembly met on Tuesday, City Administrator John Leach said many of the city's CARES Act program had not only achieved liftoff, some were mid-flight and others were about to stick the landing. The timing is important. As it now stands, federal coronavirus relief funds must be spent before the end of the calendar year. There were strict parameters around the $14 million the city received, and in June, the Assembly established a working group to figure out how to spend it quickly. The group was made up of representatives from Sitka Tribe of Alaska and Sitka's business sector, along with city staff and assembly members. It ultimately decided to spend the money in a few key areas. The lion's share of the funding was set aside for utility and moorage subsidies and grants for businesses and nonprofits. Another category, city-funded programs, included funding for food, housing, and child care. $750,000 in that category was initially budgeted for a transitional employment program to hire unemployed or underemployed people for city work projects. Leach said that program is in full swing. You know, we've got uh, some training projects. We've got some projects going on at the wastewater treatment plant, Pioneer Park, the Seawalk, the Skate Park, uh, Senior Center, Whale Park, Kim Sham, the Animal Shelter, Sandy Beach, uh, Moeller. So obviously... uh, Lots of projects happening right now, and uh, I believe we're at, uh, I think it's 22 employees. Um, I've personally had um, a few of the temporary workers uh, come up and and personally thank us for this program and and getting them the opportunity to get back to work. So um, all signs are that it's going very well. The city has contracted with the Sitka Conservation Society to administer some of the work, including some trail work Leach said is nearly finished. They've got some uh, public works programs that they're working on as well. They submit their projects to public works. They uh, approve them, modify them as necessary, and uh, working through those. And uh, they're also working on uh, a project at Goddard Hot Springs. So um, that's progressing. Assembly member Valerie Nelson said she was concerned about how much CARES Act funding could be going toward, quote, construction mobilization for the projects rather than directly to workers' wages. She asked the city administrator if, in the future, the Assembly could see a breakdown of how the contract funds were being spent. Assemblymember Kevin Knox praised the transitional employment program for killing two birds with one stone. The amount of work that's being done, not only to be able to employ people that lost their jobs or or were underemployed during this time, um, but also being able to address a, a really large backlog on deferred maintenance uh, around our buildings, around our parks, and other places like that. So it's kind of had a, a two-sided you know, good for us in a lot of ways. Other City CARES Act programs are nearing the close. The second round of utility subsidies was finalized earlier this month. Applications for the second wave of business and nonprofit grants closes this Friday, October 30th. The break in heavy rainfall early Tuesday morning has helped clear Sitka's Blue Lake Reservoir, and the town's water supply is functioning normally again. Sitka Environmental Superintendent Shiloh Williams reports the turbidity in the lake caused by heavy rains over the weekend had cleared by 4 a.m. Tuesday morning, and water was refilling Sitka's storage tanks. Just 12 hours earlier, at 4 p.m. on Monday, 
high turbidity had forced operators to turn off flow from the lake and use stored water exclusively. City Hall issued a water conservation notice and advised residents of potentially low water pressure. Williams says no federal or state drinking water regulations were violated during the event, and operators will continue to monitor the system for any changes. Last year's record hunting and trapping season eliminated more than half the Prince of Wales Island uh, wolf population. That's according to the 2019 population estimate released on Monday that proposes a 16-day trapping season next month. But as Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, a lawsuit filed earlier in the day seeks to prevent that from happening. The numbers are out. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game's estimate of the wolf population last year is 316. But that number doesn't factor in the 165 wolves reported taken last winter, more than half the island's population estimate. The agency says it considers a 30% harvest to be sustainable, but over half is not. Southeast Regional Wildlife Supervisor Tom Schumacher admitted as much last week when he addressed the Regional Subsistence Advisory Council. There's no reason that the population couldn't withstand the harvest that it did in 2019. Is that harvest sustainable through time? I don't think so. Under Monday's proposal, rural residents eligible for federal subsistence will be able to hunt wolves from Halloween until the end of November. The state's hunt for non-rural residents wouldn't open. Trappers will be limited from November 15th to November 30th under both state and federal seasons, and there wouldn't be a limit. In an interview on Monday, Schumacher says the 16-day trapping season was based on a number of factors. We took into account um, population-level information that we had this year. It's anecdotal. Um, the fall 2019 estimate, fall 2019 harvest, and um, they wanted to ensure, given all the controversy surrounding the population, that uh, we had a relatively conservative harvest this year. Wolves are targeted because they prey on the island's deer, but critics say commercial logging on Prince of Wales Island destroyed deer habitat, impacting the herds. A lawsuit filed early Monday asked a state judge to intervene. It was filed on behalf of the Alaska Wildlife Alliance and Joel Bennett, a former member of the Board of Game from Juneau. Let's be clear here. What this is, I think, is a wolf control program for Prince of Wales, a closet wolf control program. The lawsuit lays the groundwork for the court to block the state season from reopening in mid-November. And Bennett's lawsuit calls out the ADFNG commissioner by name. I don't think Doug Vincent Lang would shed a tear if, if the wolves of Prince of Wales went the way of the passenger pigeon. And I, I honestly believe that. But none of this is a done deal. Fish and Game and the U.S. Forest Service will answer questions and take public testimony by telephone on Thursday. The public meeting begins at 6 p.m., the hour-long public hearing follows at 7. And a petition by conservationists to add federal protections for Alexander Archipelago wolves in southeast Alaska is also pending with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's the third such effort since the 1990s. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick. After seven months, Juneau's residential substance abuse treatment facility reopens this week. Although Rainforest Recovery Center will limit the number of patients for now, Providers say the need in and outside the community is growing. KTOO's Adeline Baxter has more. Bartlett Regional Hospital's Rainforest Recovery Center can typically hold 12 patients at a time. Now that they're reopening, they've cut that capacity in half. Chief Behavioral Health Officer Bradley Grigg says they're taking it slow to reduce the risk of spreading COVID-19. We would be fools to think that six beds is going to meet the need, um, but we're doing it based off uh, pure safety and caution. 
Since the pandemic began, Rainforest has shifted some rehab services online, offering outpatient treatment for the first time in recent memory. Griggs says they now have more than 40 patients getting counseling virtually. So if they meet criteria to get in and we don't have a bed quite yet, um, we've got outpatient services that can support them until we can get them in there. They'll only accept people from Juneau and other parts of southeast Alaska. Patients need a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours of admission, and they'll be tested weekly. Masks are required for patients and staff. Griggs says they hope to be able to expand their admissions eventually, but for now, it's easier and lower risk to focus on helping people locally. What we don't want to do is have to bring people in and have to quarantine them automatically once they're here. We'd like for them to get started in treatment as soon as they're here, and we think that local is just going to be the best at that point. According to the statewide dashboard that tracks how many beds are available, there are about two dozen other residential treatment facilities around the state. Many of them have open beds, but wait lists range from a few days to several months long. One complicating factor is staffing. That's been an issue for Rainforest. Greg says part of the delay in reopening was due to construction on a new detox unit at the facility. Now that it's completed, patients going through withdrawal will be treated there, instead of inside the hospital. But since detox is a medical service, that means nursing staff has to be on hand 24 hours a day. We went from seven 12-hour shifts now to 21 12-hour shifts, so it's, 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 it's a significant increase. He says they're recruiting and have already hired new staff. They'll also rely on travel nurses. They hope to open the new withdrawal management unit in a few weeks. But things can change quickly in a pandemic, so they have to be flexible. Rainforest patients were sent home earlier this year, and the facility was converted into a backup site in case the hospital became overwhelmed with COVID-19 patients. Although it never came to that, Craig says the equipment is still on site just in case. So far, we've been fortunate to not have to use it, but if we have to stand it back up again, we know that we can do that pretty quickly. For now, Griggs says he's more worried about what this winter will bring in terms of mental health crises. We have new folks who are struggling that have never struggled like this before to where it's obvious there that substance use is on the rise, whether it be alcohol or or other drugs. The pandemic is producing a lot of stress and social isolation, major factors that contribute to substance abuse. Honestly, substance use is increasing during this time. It's increasing among children. It's increasing among families, adults. So that's the bigger concern for me of of what is this going to look like five months from now when we're one year into this. According to the latest data from the State Department of Health and Social Services, there are roughly 145 people across Alaska waiting to get into facilities to treat drug and alcohol issues. In Juneau, I'm Adeline Baxter. And that's all for Raven News for this hour. You can listen to or read our stories again on our website at kcaw.org. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you're having a great morning. Currently 43 degrees on the waterfront here with rain in the forecast, 